o WhatsApp mo. Good afternoon, Deputy Chair. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Is uh, I'm sorry, Deputy President, that we are actually putting our dirty linen in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, honorable members, I will now symbolically bow to my right and to my left to start the, the house setting. And I will request all members and delegates, special and permanent, to observe a moment of silence for prayer or meditation. Thank you very much. Good afternoon once again. Honorable delegates, before we proceed, let me just remind you of the following, the virtual sitting constitute the sitting of the National Council of Provinces, and the place of the sitting is deemed to be Cape Town, where the seat of the National Council of Provinces is. Delegates in the virtual sitting enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Council of Provinces. For purposes of the quorum, all delegates who are logged on to the virtual platform shall be considered present. Always switch on your videos when you are speaking and ensure that your recording in progress are muted and must remain muted if you are not speaking. The interpretation facility is active, but any delegate who wishes to speak must use the raise hand function. And in accordance, honorable delegates, I've been informed in accordance with council rule 2291, there will be no notices of motion or motions without notice. Before we proceed to the questions, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome the Deputy President, Premiers, MECs, Speakers, and all special delegates to the House. I would further like to make the following remarks. The time for reply by the Deputy President to a question is five minutes. Only four supplementary questions are allowed per question. A member who has asked the initial question would be the first to be afforded an opportunity to ask a supplementary question. The time for asking supplementary question is two minutes. The time for reply to a supplementary question is four minutes. The supplementary question must emanate from the initial question. So we will now start and we will call on the Honorable the Deputy President to respond to question number one. This was asked by the Honorable Nokozola and Dongeni. Like I said, it's five minutes per response to the question. Honorable members, can you please Chair. mute? 
Yes, honorable Abskarni. Thank yes, you, Chair. That is why what, what my request would be. The, can you remind the members that on the on the Zoom function there is a function to block out all background noises? Yes. I, will, I uh, thank you very much, Honorable Abskarni. I that is why I wanted to ask before the Deputy President respond. This morning we had a serious problem because of the fact that members are not vigilant with regards to when they are are logging on to the to the platform. Sometimes very funny things can happen, like what happened this morning with the with the event that we were supposed to have. We were actually delayed for a full hour before we could start with our. So can members please look, uh, check properly, mute all background noises, and mute when it is not your turn to speak. I'm sorry for that, Deputy President, but we need to make sure that we don't have disturbances while you are busy responding. It's over to you, our Honorable Deputy President. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. As government, we are coordinated and updated on development and challenges in the water sector through the Interministerial Committee on Water and Sanitation that is chaired by the Deputy President. This committee brings together key players within government to provide leadership and technical assistance in our effort to resolve all challenges in the reliable provision of water and sanitation services. As the sixth administration, we are determined to bring quality and safe drinking water to every household. We are seized with the task of streamlining all efforts to ensure long-term investment in municipal water infrastructure, resources, and maintenance for the delivery of water. Deputy Chair, on the recent concern related to the quality of water provided to our communities for drinking, the Department of Water and Sanitation has confirmed that our country's water quality remains compliant with the minimum standard for drinking water as specified by the South African National Standards. This has been further confirmed in the recent announcement by the National Institute of Communicable Diseases on the reported cases of typhoid in different municipalities across the country. The Institute has clarified that the detection of typhoid between December 2021 and February of this year was not linked to contaminated municipal water. Whereas the reported cases of typhoid in the provinces of the Northwest, Western Cape, Eastern Cape, the quality of water in these areas was found to be compliant with the national drinking water standards. As an ongoing measure, the Department of Water and Sanitation will continue, Honorable Deputy Chair, to monitor the process that water services authorities are implementing and engages them where non-compliance is detected. For example, these entities are required to register for a monitoring program on the integrated information system 
which indicates the sampling of water frequently, of its monitoring and what factors are monitored related to water quality. Deputy Chair, it is mandatory for all water services authorities to share their results and information on water quality on this system and appropriate action is taken where challenges related to water quality are detected. The Department of Water and Sanitation has also revived the Blue Drops certification program, which seeks to implement a proactive drinking water quality risk management approach in order to ensure that quality failures are minimized and where it occurs, acceptable interventions are implemented to safeguard affected communities. We want to take this opportunity, Deputy Chair, to urge municipalities to continue to ensuring that our country's drinking water remains compliant to the set standards, whilst also forsaking the efforts of improving the levels of access to water to our communities. With all these measures in place, we should not worry about the possibility of contamination of our drinking water. Department of Water and Sanitation currently administers the Water Services Infrastructure Grant and the Regional Bulk Infrastructure Grant, which are focused on facilitating planning and implementation of water projects in municipalities, as well as a comprehensive approach to sustainable water provision. In the main, these grants are focused on funding interim projects that are aimed at immediate provision of water to uh, prioritize communities, and in the medium to long term, providing funding to municipalities to refurbish, upgrade, and build new water infrastructure. Furthermore, Cabinet has approved the implementation of the National Infrastructure Plan 2050, which is in line with the National Development Plan in ensuring that everyone has affordable access for, to drinking water and hygienic sanitation in order to live healthy and dignified lives. Part of the catalytic projects that are outlined in the plan include the refurbishment, upgrading, expansion of key bulk water supplies infrastructure and reticulation network, in addition to water provisions, this project will also enhance socioeconomic development and provide for economic empowerment to the surrounding communities. We want to call upon communities to work with government in ensuring that water infrastructure is protected from vandalism and theft. Thank you very much, Deputy Chairperson. Thank you very much, Deputy President. Honorable Ndongeni, do you have a follow-up? Yes, Deputy Chairperson. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Honorable Deputy President. Thanks for the response you gave to us. But I have one follow-up question. The National Treasurer continues to allocate infrastructure grants for bulk water infrastructure development, maintenance, and supply. The biggest concern with the municipal infrastructure grant is poor spending and constant requests for rollovers. While a total of 15.9 billion in MIG allocation 
were transferred to municipalities between July 2017 and March 2018. The Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs has since evoked Section 18 of the Division of Revenue Act to a large number of municipalities that did not meet the expenditure requirements of comply of the provision of the Act. Here is my question, Honorable Deputy President. Are there measures in place to support municipality on the spending of grants that are geared towards water infrastructure, given the necessity and agents to respond to the growing needs of quality bulk water supply to communities across the country? Thank you, Deputy Chair. Thank you, Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, uh, Deputy Chair. The problem of underspending and not delivering on performance plans to our take is a function of lack of capacity in most of our municipalities. So as government nationally, we are empowered through section 62 and 63 of the Water Services Act to intervene in municipalities where monitoring of municipal water and sanitation services by the Department of Water and Sanitation indicates failure to adhere to national norms and standards, subject to section 139 of the Constitution. In the recent uh, cabinet, Lehutla in January, we identified a number of challenges. Uh, that are affecting a lot of municipalities, as well as the lack of rapid response to emergency situations, such as sewer spillage and residential areas. Now, all these challenges, we are prepared to resolve them together with municipalities, observing the intergovernmental relations as provided for in our constitution. We prepare to support municipalities in terms of ensuring that the water boards that are supposed to do certain functions, do these functions timelessly without failure. Like I've said, COCTA is currently working on the intergovernmental monitoring support and intervention bill to address some of these challenges so that we don't delay in terms of our response. Thank you very much. Thank you, Deputy President. The next follow-up will be from Honorable Brotese. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Honorable Deputy President, recently the Water and Sanitation Department revealed that every single one of South Africa's major water and sanitation projects currently under construction have missed their initial deadlines. As water quality is closely linked to quality infrastructure, what steps is the government taking to address the poor project management of the 20 infrastructure projects in question? I thank you. Honorable Deputy President. <clears throat> thank you, thank you, uh, Deputy Chair. As government, we have uh, reinforced and uh, solidified our 
working together with municipalities and provinces using the district development model, where together we plan for incomplete projects and new projects that must be started. Where there's an indication of lack of capacity from the side of a municipality and the province, the National Department of Cocta and Water and Sanitation will intervene by necessarily supporting these municipalities in terms of capacity. So we are quite certain that uh, going forward, all the projects that are there will be completed on time. We have given a recovery plan from those projects that are lagging behind. We think we are going to meet the deadlines. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. Next will be Honorable Apleni. Follow-up. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Deputy uh, Chair. Um, Deputy President, the inability of municipalities to provide basic services uh, such as uh, water, as is evident uh, in the Eastern Cape, and the failure to collect refuse, as is evident in the municipalities such as Mangaung in Free State, is as the result of two things. The first one is that the equal share municipalities get from the national treasury is simply not enough, particularly uh, for small municipalities. The second one is that municipalities hire poorly qualified individuals to undertake these tasks. Uh, do you have plans to address any significant way uh, the funding mechanisms for municipalities, particularly uh, rural municipalities, to deal with these challenges. Thank you very much. Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Chair. All the projects that are under planning that are supposed to be implemented during the course of this financial year, the, the scorecard it's being monitored at the district level where all the three spheres of government will collaborate. So in that regard, we'll use this very same platform to support where support is needed from the side of municipalities. I'm talking about in cases where there's a lack of appropriate qualified people that should help to implement these projects. As national government, we stand ready to support municipalities. I don't think, therefore, honorable member, that the grant that we're giving to municipalities is not enough. In a number of instances, the grant is being utilized for other things other than what it is intended for. So we're ensuring that uh, all the grants that are given to municipalities are used for the specified uh, task that is uh, water and infrastructure. Now, municipalities should also augment this grant by charging for the services that they render to uh, communities. For instance, communities are paying for water so that municipalities can 
manage their infrastructure and repair uh, damages. So maintenance and the appointment of uh, qualified people can be utilized from the money, the revenue that they collect from the communities and use the infrastructure grant to expand and put new infrastructure where necessary. So it's a question of utilizing this grant appropriately and servicing the communities appropriately so that you can get the revenue required. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. The next follow-up will be from Honorable Khadebe. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, Honorable Deputy President, um, Deputy President, without water, we cannot exist, which means that rapid responses in matters hampering the delivery of water must always sit on top of the agenda. Uh, my question, Honorable, uh, my follow-up question, Honorable Deputy President, is what is government's rapid response plan to address thousands of kilolitres of water lost due to aging infrastructure in municipalities? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Hadebe, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Chair. As government, we have noted through our monitoring and evaluation program, infrastructure decay, uh, where in certain instances there's water loss because of aging infrastructure, where there's sewer spillage because of aging infrastructure, and uh, over overused treatment plants in a number of uh, provinces. And we have put aside plans to support those municipalities to fix these water treatment plants so that uh, we deal with the sewer spillage. The case in point is the uh, water treatment plant in Mangawu, the water treatment plant in Mfuleni, where we've even deployed a South African Defense Force to come and help in that area. So in the main, we've detected the problem to be aging infrastructure. So we have budgeted uh, for new infrastructure builds through the grant that we are going to give to municipalities. But this time around, Deputy Chair, we are going to ensure that the grant is utilized for what it's meant for in the different municipalities. The grant is not going to be utilized to pay salaries, but to upgrade and refurbish old infrastructure. Thank you very much. Thank you uh, very much, Honorable Members, Honorable Deputy President. We will now come to question number two, as asked by Honorable Labuskakne. Uh, over to you, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, Deputy Chair. The President, President Ramaphosa, took a call with the President Vladimir Putin of the Russian Federation. 
to express our support to the ongoing negotiations efforts between Russia and Ukraine. We believe, Deputy Speaker, that diplomacy is the, always the most sensible pathway in averting outbreak of conflict and war. It should be pursued even when we're already in a situation of war so that we end it and engage in a post-conflict reconstruction measures. South Africa continues to call for de-escalation of conflict, cessation of hostilities, and for the parties to work together towards building trust and confidence by existing, intensifying existing peace mechanisms and dialogue in order to achieve long-lasting solutions to the conflict. South Africa emphasizes respect for the sovereignty and territorial integrity of states. As a nation born through negotiations ourselves, we're always appreciative and confident of the potential that dialogue has in resolving conflict. Therefore, we call upon the parties to devote increased efforts in diplomacy and to finding a solution that will help avert the escalations of positions. We can rest assured that South Africa will continue to support peaceful diplomatic negotiations as an essential tool to achieve peace. We remain hopeful that the doors of diplomacy shall never be closed, even when conflict has escalated to this level. We are proud and happy that uh, as we're speaking, uh, Russia and Ukraine are locked in a meeting to try and find one another and resolve their problems. Thank you very much, Deputy Chair. Thank you, Deputy President. Uh, Honorable Labaskafni, you've got the first follow-up question. Thank you very much, Deputy Chair. Honorable Pre Deputy President, as leader of government business in Parliament and most probably one of our biggest export products to Russia, Maybe you could help us on two issues today. And the first one is to make financial sense of the reasoning behind our government stance when in 2021, South Africa's export to and from Russia and its political allies totaled 15.7 billion. But with the 30 NATO countries, the number came to 1.13 trillion. Our economy is contracting and unemployment is skyrocketing. Why are we sacrificing our economy for the ANC alliances? And secondly, based on your answer on increased efforts of diplomatic negotiations, are you prepared to meet with the Ukrainian ambassador to South Africa? Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Deputy Chair. Uh, right from the onset, I must say to the Honourable Member, thank you for the question. But uh, the President has initiated 
this open door policy by taking a call with uh, the president of the Russian Federation. And I'm sure the president will continue to meet the president of Ukraine, uh, allow a discussion because we want to re-emphasize the underlying principle of our foreign policy and our foreign relations. We are committed as a country to justice and international law in the conduct of our relations between nations. We are committed to international peace and to internationally agreed upon mechanisms that will resolve conflict. As we stated, South Africa has taken a balanced position that emphasizes the de-escalation of conflict and war through peaceful negotiations and through diplomatic dialogue. For this, we thank parties for prioritizing the process of negotiations to resolve existing conflicts and end the war. No amount of condemnation no amount of side taking will resolve this problem. Diplomacy remains the key tool at our disposal, all of us, to end the war and to persuade parties that are involved to deliver peace and stability. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. Honorable Moima, we have the next follow up question. Thank you. Thank you. Deputy President, for for reminding the House about the the importance of the balanced approach that uh, that our country has uh, has taken uh, in regard to the Ukrainian uh, Russian uh, conflict. Uh, Deputy President, the the uh, South Africa. As a, as a country, uh, remains indebted to the role uh, that the, the non-aligned uh, movement has played historically in our struggle against injustice and an apartheid. And that is the reason why we believe that as a country we continue to embrace the principle of non-aligned and non-alignment in discharging our uh, historic role and responsibilities to resolve a uh, global uh, conflict. And uh, this uh, approach of non-alignment remains relevant in dealing with the uh, current conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine, uh, because it provides us uh, with an opportunity to reaffirm our objectives, which mainly is uh, uh, crafted around revitalizing our position as a country in the global politics, uh, but but more than that, to ensure that uh, we occupy our rightful positions uh, in the developing countries and the world. But more than that, we see our position uh, in the global politics as promoting our relationship with the with the regional integration, but more than that, to ensure that uh, as a country, our relationship uh, with the developing world uh, is quite important. Now, my question 
president is what is the view of the deputy president to my firm view that there is no contradiction uh, between our continued call for mediation and peaceful resolutions uh, and the principles of non-aligned thank you deputy president honorable deputy president thank you thank you deputy chair and thanks for the follow-up question there is absolutely deputy chair no contradiction in the position that we have stated because we believe that the diplomacy is always the most sensible pathway in averting conflict and war even when we are already in a war situation diplomacy should not be neglected as a means towards peace and stability conflict and war honorable members can stand growth can inhibit development it will always breed discontent and it is a recipe for further disaster at the receiving end of any conflict it's always the ordinary people mostly women and children that bear the brunt of the pain and disruption of their lives many countries in the continent honorable members will remember have gone through many conflicts south africa is one case in point we are a nation born out of a conflict and we chose a negotiated settlement which has been which has proven to be the best and long lasting solution to our problems as we stand today we still continue talking about our problems some are not resolved but the door of dialogue engagement remains widely open thank you very much thank you honorable deputy president honorable dutoy you are the next caller thank you honorable deputy chair uh, deputy president it's common knowledge that you yourself and the anc has historical ties with russia president ramaphosa was reportedly unhappy with the minister naleri pandor's strong statement calling russia to withdraw their troops from the ukraine Honorable Mabuza, you and the presidency continue to support Russia or stay neutral, as you call it, even if the possibility exists that Western and NATO countries might impose sanctions against South Africa on that view. Will you continue to hold this stance, even if the possibility exists that sanctions might be imposed against South Africa, thus placing the stance of the ANC above that of the country. Thank you, Deputy Chair. Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, we must clarify one position, uh, that the leader of government is the president. And in any foreign matters, the president would be the rightful person 
to guide the country. And I think we support the statement made by the president that uh, will prefer mediation, dialogue as the best way to achieve peace, sustainable peace. Yes, we've got strong relations with the, with the then Soviet Union, the now Russian Federation. We are cooperating together in the platform called BRICS. That does not mean that uh, we are blind to the situation that is obtaining now between the conflict that has arisen between Russia and Ukraine. In that conflict, we are calling for mediation, we are calling for diplomacy. We have not decided to take any side and we don't want to go to historical challenges that has developed to date that is at the center of the conflict. It will never help anyone either to blame Russia or to blame NATO. The best sensible way is to resolve through dialogue the conflict that is there between the two countries. So we'll continue to urge countries, uh, our international relations policy, uh, our South African stand on mediation, on diplomacy, will continue to push it until we achieve peace. Because as a country, we're also born out of conflict. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. Uh, the f- next follow-up will be from Honorable Arnold. Honorable Arnold. Thank you, Deputy uh, Chairperson. Uh, Deputy President, the root cause of the crisis in Eastern Europe is the rapid eastward expansion of NATO in Europe since the fall of the Soviet Union. NATO is a war instrument used by the United States to unsettle nations and bully others into submission. Russia is correct to feel concerned that having American missiles in Ukraine in the form of NATO would be a threat to their national security. Why has the attention been on Russia defending its sovereignty rather than the insatiable appetite for expansion demonstrated by NATO over the past two decades. What is your government's position on the eastward expansion of NATO? Thank you. Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much. I think, uh, as you have said, uh, taking the root causes of the problem, that is the expansion of NATO towards the east. You correct, because there were agreements that were reached not not to expand NATO even with one inch towards the east. 
and some of these agreements were not honored. But be that as it may, we have reached the point where we are now, where we think that the best way to resolve all the problems that has accumulated for all these years, the expansion of NATO, the aggression of uh, NATO, uh, and the response from the Russian Federation. We think there's a possibility of opening a platform where we can mediate, where the parties can talk and resolve their, their problems. We want to thank the Russian Federation, especially President Vladimir Putin, for opening space for mediation and talks between his government and the government of Ukraine. As we're speaking now, they're in a meeting, they're trying to resolve their differences, which we support and will continue to support. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. We will now go to question number three, as asked by the Honorable Dangwa. Over to you, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, Deputy Chair. Our immigration system is grappling with the implementation of stringent measures to deal with the influx of undocumented foreign nationals into our country who ultimately compete with our citizens over the limited resources in order to survive. This competition, Honorable Deputy Chair, often leads to tensions which we see in most and some of the communities, which then manifest in different forms of campaigns and actions that in the main have negative undertones. Rest assured, Deputy Chair, we are mindful of the legitimate concerns of our citizens, where they feel there's no sufficient action by our law enforcement agencies to deal with the issues of undocumented foreign nationals. This is why we have now established a border management agency to attend to the existing porous borders and ensure that we improve the situation. The Department of Home Affairs has a legal mandate to deal with concerns relating to undocumented foreign nationals. That is why we discourage any anti-foreigner sentiments and the destruction of property associated with this protest and related activities. This includes protests and marches that engender violence directed at foreign businesses and undocumented foreign workers. While the concerns that are raised may be legitimate, they must be raised and attended to within the scope of the law. We call for calm, restraint, and adherence to lawful means from all parties who are involved in the ongoing confrontation. Where a country whose constitution is hailed as a progressive tool that is in our hand in terms of its content, 
more especially in its promotion and protection of human rights of all people who live in this country without really defining their status of citizenship. To give effect to this important constitutional imperative, cabinet has adopted a national action plan to combat racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia, and related intolerances in March 2019. Among other things, national action plan is aimed at facilitating humane and dignified approach to managing migrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. Under the banner of the National Action Plan to Combat Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia, and Related Intolerance, the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development, in partnership with relevant stakeholders such as Anti-Racism Network of South Africa is conducting social mobilization campaigns to address racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia, and other intolerances amongst society. The Department of Home Affairs conducts its law enforcement activities in full compliance of with, within the applicable human rights standards. Furthermore, the department has, in terms of the Immigration Act, developed capacity and systems to track, trace, and repatriate all undocumented migrants who might have entered South Africa illegally. To this end, the Rapid Response Task Team has been established with the sole task of developing rapid response mechanisms. This will be linked to early warning systems and will collate incidents of racist, xenophobic offenses that are reported to the law enforcement agencies. This information will assist to follow up on cases that have gone through our National Prosecuting Authority for prosecution, including judicial outcomes. Of course, we are concerned about the recent increase of criminal activities involving foreign nationals. Deputy Chair, especially in the Houting province. This includes the recent cash in transit heist that took place in Rosenville, in which nine people died and several others were injured. Most of these people that were involved in that cash in transit heist were foreign nationals. The plans of these lawbreakers were foiled as a result of the intelligence-driven campaigns by law enforcement agencies, we must at this point salute the work of our law enforcement agencies in the successful execution of that operation. This continues across the country as a, as a strong fight against criminals. For crime is crime, irrespective of the nationality of the perpetrator. Minister of Police has advised that members of the Public Order Policing Unit are currently deployed in Alexander Township in Gauteng Province in order to assist with crime prevention interventions and to contain the spread of attacks on foreign-owned businesses. Community policing strategy also provides for police to work with communities to address threats 
to peace, to stability, and including acts of xenophobic attacks on foreign nationals. We thus encourage cooperation between concerned community members and law enforcement agencies in ensuring that all issues raised are resolved peacefully and within the confines of the law. We must, as South Africans, abide by the values and behavior patterns that will make us break our hurtful and damaging past and keep our moral campus focused on the path of renewal and growth. Thank you very much, Deputy Chairperson. Thank you, Deputy President. Honorable Dango, your follow-up, please. Thank you very much, Deputy Chair. Honorable Deputy President, we welcome the interventions that you have highlighted, especially those that are geared towards finding a lasting solution to the increasing concern about our porous borders and ensuring that the issue of the large number of undocumented immigrants does not lead to uncontrolled levels of lawlessness and Africa. The issue of cross-border crime, especially in provinces such as Gauteng, KwaZulu-Natal, Free State and Limpopo has demonstrated an urgent need to allocate more resources to crime prevention and monitoring measures and proper resourcing of border management. Beyond the Border Management Authority, are there any plans to ensure the proper resourcing of border management and intelligence-driven initiatives like the ones that we saw in Rosettenville to ensure the protection of communities from cross-border crimes? I thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Honorable Dangor, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, Deputy Chair. The issue of uh, cross-border crime, uh, especially affecting communities along the borders, uh, crime such as car theft, stock theft, just to name a few, these are of great concern to the state, and this matter is receiving priority attention from the Justice, Crime, Prevention, and Security Cluster. We can assure the House that Border Management Authority will from now henceforth be properly and sufficiently funded to ensure that borderline infrastructure is properly maintained. Already the recruitment of the first court of border guards is currently underway. On the intelligence-driven initiative to deal with border, uh, border crimes, the agents will collaborate with other security and law enforcement agencies in the justice, crime, prevention, and security cluster. The Department of Employment and Labor also developed the National Labor Migration Policy, which is aimed to achieve a balance in the following major areas to introduce maximum quotas on the total number of documented foreign national with work permits, work visas that can be employed in major economic sectors in our country, such as agriculture, hospitality and tourism and construction. 
the national labor migration policy will be complemented by small business interventions and enforcement of a list of undesirable sectors where foreign nationals cannot be allocated business visas. Amendment to the Small Business Act will limit foreign nationals establishing small businesses and trading in some sectors of our economy. Government will continue to impose various obligations on both employers and the foreign national to transfer skills to locals and permits will be limited to specific durations and time for foreign nationals who are here on work permits. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. Honorable Adebe. Honorable Deputy Chairperson, <clears throat> my follow-up question to the Honorable Deputy President is, um, the IFP has in response to the social mobilization against undocumented persons proposed a bill that seeks to protect jobs for South Africans and put South Africans first. I would like to know what is government's rapid response to address the massive shortcomings in identifying all undocumented foreign nationals over the next financial year? Thank you, Honorable Deputy Chair. Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, Deputy Chair. Uh, and thanks for, to the follow-up question. The, the Department of Home Affairs is conducting uh, some uh, research and follow-ups on all document, undocumented foreign nationals that are within the country. They trace these foreign nationals. If they can't give satisfactory explanation, they are taken back to their country. But the biggest challenge that we face is that as we take them back to their country, the following day they come in because of our porous borders. Hence, the border management agency to ensure that our borders are not porous. Now, there are foreign nationals that are here within the country legitimately because they've applied, they've got work permits, there are certain skills that we don't have in abundance in the country. So we allow foreign nationals to come with those skills, skills in uh, hospitality, in construction, uh, skills in uh, uh, education, in uh, our university sector. So those foreign nationals are allowed to, to be in the country for a specified period and they are also allowed to renew their permits if they so wish and government still feel we're still running short of those skills. So within the border management agency will help a lot to stabilize the movement of people, undocumented people in and out of our borders and ensure that we limit the crime that is happening in our borders affecting communities that are located within those borders. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. Honorable Mutamai, you have the next follow-up. Uh, thank you, uh, Deputy Chairperson. Motata Tautuna, Tuna Yatirele to Osata Hubua, Bushenjana Hori, Bunsi Badi Humana, Sinimo Africa Borwa, Deteletu Piliki, Bazoagua, Auka Nitifasasi, Hota Tuna Yatirele to Une A Tauba, Bailo Hori, Tuna Yatirele to one a bua bua maruri go pala injanong go lwantsa le go fedisa dikhongwana tse tsa bosinyi a bia khelotse ga se di kotoletso tsa bosemerafe jo bo aparetseng na ga ya rona ya Afrika bo ke a le boga eh motlatsa over to you honorable deputy president Honorable Deputy Chair, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a good space here because I don't have any interpretation facilities. So I have not heard the question exactly. Uh, I don't know how I can be assisted. Advocate Deputy Chairperson, I'm rising Advocate. on a point of order. Advocate, can the, can the table assist, please? What is your point Deputy of order? Chair? What is your point of order, Honorable Mukherjee? Uh, Deputy Chairperson, it clearly shows from your side incompetence. Because when we started this sitting, uh, there was a promise that there is indeed interpretation. It, is, it clearly shows how you undermine other languages, it, and it's totally unacceptable. Uh, advocate, can we get assistance from the table? Because Honorable Ryder is indicating on the chat group that he heard the interpretation, which means for parliamentarians, interpretation was available. The, the deputy president said he doesn't have interpretation available. Doesn't mean we haven't provided interpretation. So that can we uh, can we just ask on Advocate Pindela? Is there any way that we can assist the deputy president? Deputy Chair, I will just find out perhaps we can uh, have uh, the interpretation switched on uh, so that uh, then the interpreter can uh, interpret uh, to the benefit of the, of the deputy president. Whilst we are waiting for that to, to uh, take place, we, I will ask Honorable Bosov now to ask a follow-up and we will come back to the question of Honorable Mutsamai. Thank you very much, Deputy Chair, and good afternoon to the Deputy President. Deputy President, xenophobia has broken out at least eight times in South Africa over the past 10 years, with reprisal attacks in Zambia and Namibia. Political parties are feeding the flames, and now we have seen the rise of nationalist groups, particularly in Gauteng. At the heart of the undocumented foreigner debate is a dysfunctional, corrupt, and broken home affairs department presided over by Minister Aaron Motswaledi. <coughs> President, oopsie, 
excuse me, will you support the DA's vote of no confidence in the cabinet to get rid of underperformers like Minister Motswaledi for the sake of our country and the sake of the people living in our country? Thank you, Deputy Chair. I don't know, is it still the same question? Or is the, was this just used as a starting point? But I don't know, is it still the same question? So, Honorable Deputy President, you can decide whether it is still the same question. Well, thanks, uh, Deputy Chair. We must re-emphasize the fact that, uh, yes, our borders are porous, hence the development of the Border Management Agency. This is an agency that would incorporate all our law enforcement departments and agencies to take care of our border management. And we're going to strengthen the infrastructure we, on, the, on, the, on the borders to ensure that these borders are not porous. Because I want to remember the problem that we are facing, it's porous borders. You take undocumented foreign nationals back to their countries, and the following week they are back using the same porous borders. Uh, so the best way is to ensure that we strengthen our border management and ensure that we strengthen the infrastructure, which is currently happening. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy about the work that the Minister of Home Affairs is doing. Instead, let us focus on the problem, not on the person. Um, from where we're sitting, Minister Mzolid is doing the best he can to improve the implementation of the border management agency came under his leadership and he's implementing it. We're going to have border guards. We're going to have uh, improved infrastructure in our borders to ensure that people who have been taken back to their home don't come back again. So I'm quite confident about the measures that we have put in place to ensure that we limit these cross-border crimes and uh, limit our porous borders. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. Before we move on, can we get uh, whether there is the question of Honorable Mzamai is available now? Advocate? Can the interpreter just put it on the system? Who am I speaking to? You're speaking to me, Deputy person. We, we attended to it. So is that, does the Deputy President have the question? Not, not yet, uh, Deputy Chair. So what do we, so we will let's continue. We yes, will come yes. back and let's continue. Honorable Deputy President, uh, sorry for uh, that. I was, now. Going, I was going to I was, I was going to make a, a request, uh, Chair, the, the, the Deputy Chair, that uh, uh, we get uh, uh, 
we get the question? Advocate Pindela, as a South Sutu speaker, to just translate the, the question so that the president can uh, deal with the matter. Thanks. There is a, a proposal from, from the chairperson. Chairperson, in any case, can you take over after this, please? Uh, there is a proposal from the chairperson. Uh, Advocate Pindela, is it fine with you to assist us to get that question over and done with? Yeah, the chairperson will, will get the interpreter to, to deal with the, with the question. Can the interpreter please? Since yes. the chairperson proposed, let us not uh, move from there. Can the interpreter please then assist us now? Because after this, we will give over to the to the chairperson to preside over the proceedings further. Chair, may, may we request that uh, Honorable uh, Mutamai repeat the question? Honorable Mutamai, if you don't mind, can you please repeat the question? Honorable Kenny Mutamai. Is Honorable Mutamai still on the platform? Maybe he wants you to tell him in Sosotu how to repeat. <laughs> That is exactly what I'm talking about, Chairperson, how members of this council undermine other languages and you are simply endorsing it. Honorable Mokausa, you are not allowed to speak and no. No, she is allowed. Somebody can simply say, I must translate. Can I speak English? Or can I translate uh, my question in English? What can you do with in Sitwana? In Sitwana. Yeah, I'm speaking Sitwana. I ask you to repeat the question. I ask you to repeat the question. Can you repeat it, please? Okay. Yes. Kalebuha matata mudula stulo. Matata tautuna. Tuna ya tireleto osata hubua. Bushenja na hore. Buntiba do Hongwanata, Usini, Mo Africa Bura. De Teletri Pili, Kebatua, Ao Nitifatasi, Kota Tuna Yatirelezi, One Ataupa. File Hore Tuna Yatirelezi, One Abuabua Maruri. Hopala India Nunku, Luantaloho, Fediza du Huene Huenete.
Thank you very much, Honorable Mutsamai. We appreciate the fact that you were prepared to come back and repeat the question. Over to you, Honorable Deputy President. Uh, Honorable Deputy Chair, the question has been repeated in the same language. And uh, on, the, on my side, there's no interpretation. Thank, thank you, Honorable Deputy President. We take that. I will. I will just broadly. I will just broadly. Uh, I will just. I will just broadly tell the Deputy President what the question was. Apparently, the Deputy, the Defence Minister indicated that most of the crimes in South Africa that is taking place is done by foreign nationals. So, what are government doing about, or is it not necessarily? the correct statement that was made by the defense minister. That is, in a nutshell, the question No, was, no, 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 it's not that. You are wrong. You are taking a wrong, you are wrong now, you are wrong. Are this how we how we need? You are right, Chair, thank, thank you very much. Deputy Chair No, 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 uh, Deputy President. That is our question, we, that is not our question. Get the interpretation to interpret the the deputy president on his side cannot hear the interpreter. That is yeah, what my was Okay. So interpreter. house. On a point of order. I'm raising my house in a very disciplined manner. I'm not howling. I'm raising my house with respect that the deputy chair should be allowed to chair the proceedings. Because, because there is I'm no rising, order. If I'm, I'm allowed, I, point of I'm order. There is no point of order. I'm asking Advocate Pindela, you wanted to say? Advocate? Deputy President, yeah, the, the question broadly is as follows. Uh, the minister recently stated that criminal syndicates are led by foreign nationals. Was the minister speculating? If so, why not uh, resolve this matter? Uh, are these statements not encouraging xenophobia in the country? Thank you, Advocate. Honorable Deputy President, we are at last at the question. Yeah, thank you. I want, thank you. want to apologize for the, the ruckus that went on there. Continue. Thank you. Thank you. On Deputy order. Well, I order, Chairperson. Uh... Wait, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, on a point of order. And the order is? You are not going to come here and call us names. In the sitting of I the council, no we've got every right to correct you. You must stop being upfront. Stop being upfront. The language is that you don't understand. It is not our problem. That there's no interpretation yet. You don't have to shout. You don't have to shout. You don't have to shout. So I will please allow us to continue with the meeting, and we will request the deputy president to respond. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Chairperson.
Because from where the minister is sitting, he can tell, or she can tell, from looking at all the crimes that are committed, that most of the crimes indicate that foreign nationals are involved. But this government, we want to say crime, it's a crime, irregardless of who is committing the crime. So the law enforcement agencies, their duty is to arrest people who are committing crime. So the Department of Home Affairs, their duty is to ensure that people who are here in the country, their status must be defined and they must be here legally. So all those who are here in the country undocumented, we trace them, we deport them back to their original countries. Now, the challenge that we are putting uh, to you is that we've got porous borders. And we've identified those border posts where we think the infrastructure there is so porous that it allows people in and out as they wish. And we've set aside money to upgrade that infrastructure. But through the border management agency, we are now bringing a combination of agencies, of departments, uh, of institutions that are going to enforce the law in our borders, working together with the Department of Home Affairs and to ensure that these Borders are very seamless. People don't spend days and days trying to cross the border because of our inability to process them quickly. So that is going to be uh, addressed by this border management agency with all the relevant departments and the countries in which we are sharing this border with. So that problem is going to be dealt with. Again, the cross-border crimes, stock theft, car theft, the Department of uh, uh, Police is dealing with those crimes, and we are arresting people that are involved because in the main, even communities in those border areas are affected. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Deputy President. We will now uh, give to you to respond to question number four by the Honorable Mukause, and then the, the chairperson will take over from here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Chairperson. Most of the claims lodged that were without conflict have been settled. The Commission is analyzing all outstanding claims in order to develop a project plan on how to settle them with immediate effect. There are various consultations between the Commission and the landowners to determine those who are willing to sell their properties and those that are disrupting the validity 
and disputing the validity of the claims. For the landowners that have expressed willingness to sell, the Commission has been directed to proceed with those claims. Commissioning the valuation of these pro uh, properties in order to arrive at a just and equitable compensation, as well as to proceed with the settlement of such claims. Government remains committed to the accelerating uh, the resolutions of old older claims. We want to reaffirm the view expressed previously that Parliament has the responsibility to address the shortcomings identified in the Constitutional Court judgment with regards to the amendment of the legislation in order to allow for the reopening of land claims for restitution. We need to remind ourselves that, and the people of South Africa, that the Constitutional Court in its judgment of the 28th of July, 2016, on the matter of the restitution of Land Rights Amendment Act, did not reject the validity and the correctness of the land reform program as a means to redress past land injustices. Instead, it declared Parliament that Parliament failed to satisfy the obligation to facilitate public involvement in accordance with Section 72.1 of the Constitution. The Interministerial Committee on, the land, on land Reform and Agriculture considered the implication of the Constitutional Court judgment and advised the Commission on Restitution of Land Rights to prioritize the settlement of all other claims that have been submitted by the first deadline of the 31st December 1998. The Commission was further advised to consider various options in the processing of the claim that will allow for claimants to opt for land redistribution or tenure security to, to avoid onerous requirements of proving past disposition. To support this process, government is prioritizing the resolution of administrative hurdles and all challenges that are contributing to the slow pace of our land reform progress. Among others, these include the need to strengthen capacity and streamline research and verification process, making provisions for additional human resource in dealing with the backlog, instituting effective processes for the resolution of disputes, including conflicts among beneficiaries themselves through section 14, referrals to the Land Claims Court to adjudicate the claims that are under disputes, dealing decisively with incidents of fraud and corruption in the whole process were never detected. Of the total 6,907 outstanding land claims, the provinces with the bad claims are Wazulu Natal with 2,234 cases, Pumalanga 1,596 cases, Limpopo 1,406, Eastern Cape 662. Notwithstanding progress in the fast tracking of these cases, the reality is that the current fiscal condition poses some limitation on our ability to move with the necessary speed. 
The independent financial forecasting projected that approximately 65 billion will be required to settle all outstanding older claims within a period of five years. It will be therefore be difficult to forecast for the 163-383 new order claims as the Commission has not conducted any analysis because of the court order. Nevertheless, we'll continue to support the work of the Commission with the necessary resources available to fast track the settlement of the outstanding claims. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Deputy President. We will now proceed to the uh, first follow-up question from uh, Honorable Zandamela. Chairperson, it's Mukause. Oh, okay. Please proceed, Mukause. Thank you, uh, Chairperson of the Council. Deputy President, the sad reality brought by your party, the ANC, since they took power in 1994, is that many of those who lost claims before 1998 deadline have since died without ever getting their land back. A clear sign, Deputy President, of counter-revolutionary and that of a party at war with the black majority of South Africa. The delays in finalizing land restitution has a real impact of people traumatized by the pain of land dispossession. Deputy President, the reality is that a lot of ANC leaders ditched land amongst themselves, and that includes, Deputy President, yourself, in the case of Babaton. It is alleged, Deputy President, that you literally knocked the people of Babatin off their land. They were fighting for what belongs to them. What measures have your government put in place to deal with corruption, amongst other things which delays land claims uh, lost between 2014 and 2016? Thank you, Deb uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Deputy President. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. I think we must dispel the notion that uh, myself as Deputy President, I've robbed people of their land. It's one thing that I can't do. Uh, it stands against my conviction as a person. I understand the land disposition and the pain that people felt. So the land and the farm that I occupy, I bought it myself, and it's a small holder farm, which belongs to me. I've not taken a farm from anyone. Again, uh, uh, Chairperson, we must uh, acknowledge and accept the slow pace in which we've dealt with uh, the claims. There are reasons that we can put for this delay and the slow pace. Firstly, a, play, a case, any claim needs to be investigated. Uh, we need to collaborate the evidence that is given by the claimants with the features and the landowner. In most cases, the landowners have dismissed the claims to say 
there are not claims in their land because they can also put a contrary story historically about the ownership of that piece of land. That took a bit of time and the verification process that it's stretching. Again, most parties have taken these matters to court and the court process will delay and take its, in its own process. So yes, these were unforeseen circumstances that hurdles that are before this process of restituting land to the rightful claimants. But be that as it may, we've identified those shortcomings and we're improving, we're capacitating the commission with the relevant human resource and probably the financial uh, muscle to try and settle those claims. Like we've said, we've said where there's an agreement, they need to send a valuer general to evaluate the land and we settle. So we're also limited about the availability of uh, money to settle all these claims at once. But of course, the verification process and the landowners refusing to part with the land. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy President. The second follow-up question comes from Smith. Chairperson. Smith. Okay. Chairperson, I just, want to, I just want to bring it to your attention that I raised the hand before the deputy president could respond to the last part that was made by Honorable Mukawusi. But if you permit me, I just want to put it on record that we have said previously that honorable members of the house should not make such disparaging remarks in the name of the deputy president uh, without substantive motion. The deputy president has responded to the issue, but when we started in the house, dealt with the rules, workshop, all of us, is to contribute to the integrity of the house and the process of responding to questions or any other matter uh, that is tabled in the debates of the house. Thank you, Chair. Uh, we will have to, to we'll have to move, move on, um, Kaus, On order, to, on order, yeah, but what, what is the point of order, Kaus? Chairperson, the EFF has got no obligation whatsoever to treat corrupt ANC leaders with soft gloves. So whatever we say here, on a, on, a, on a point of order, Chairperson, ANC leaders are corrupt. On a, on, on a point of order, Chair. Yes. Order, order members. Mkause, can I at this point ask you and, and ask you properly and nicely to please withdraw that comment? What must I withdraw, Chair? That, that ANC people are corrupt. I'm not going no, to... No, if, if, if raised in the context of a, a 
debate is fine. I mean, there's no, there's absolutely no problem with, with it. Uh, uh, but 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 I think that we, we must we must we must stop being insensitive. Uh, and when uh, uh, a very valid point is being raised about a substantive motion, uh, uh, go to extreme and say all sorts of things. So I'm asking you to uh, withdraw the remark about 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 corrupt uh, uh, ANC leaders and so on. Uh, because if if you want to debate corruption and you want to make the comments that we are making and so on, we are we are free uh, and, and we have a right to to put the motion in front of the house. We'll then have a debate. Uh, but but the, the remark that you have just made now, uh, I, I think it's it is it's not in keeping with the uh, the 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 type of uh, 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 atmosphere and conduct. Uh, that is expected, uh, uh, especially in relation to uh, the the dignity of the house. So I'm asking you to withdraw the remark. Chairperson, thank you very much. Chair, the country South Africa, it is where it is today because of corruption of the ANC leaders. Ordinary people are without water, sanitation, and housing. There is corruption uh, that has uh, by the ANC leaders. I'm not withdrawing anything. I'm, I'm ANC leaders are corrupt and that's I'm, it. I'm, I'm giving a warning. And, 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 and if you don't want to withdraw, uh, I'll ask you to, to very soon to leave. But what is wrong about stating facts? I'm not giving an opportunity, opportunity, opportunity to speak. Why are you speaking, member? I've not said you should speak. Can I speak? No, you are rude. You are not speaking. Raise your hand. are you are you are you withdrawing your mark? Chairperson, we don't anything. You are the only one I'm allowing to speak. Yeah, please proceed. Chairperson, ANC leaders. ANC leaders are corrupt. We are where we are. I'm, yeah, I'm asking you to leave the house. Thank you very much. Amber. Uh, we will now proceed. I'm raising a point of Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, I think it was Honorable from the house when she's raising uh, effects to the to, uh, uh, 
we support them to till the land. Now this integrated post settlement support, the farmer support is going to be delivered at the district level where national, provincial, and municipal uh, councils will be part and parcel of that platform where we give integrated support to all our farmers to till the land. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Deputy President. The, the fourth uh, follow-up question is from Honorable Mushodi. Honorable Mushodi. Uh, thanks very much, Honorable Chairperson. And thank you, thank you, Honorable Deputy President, for your response to the question. Honorable Deputy President, I am sure that you will concede that land claims by its nature involves conflict, negotiation, and sometimes tedious and non-legal battles. In this light, Honorable Deputy President, to what extent are the set time frames and cost estimation realistic? And is there a plan by the executive to regularly update parliament on progress on the matter? Thank you very much, Honorable Chair, Honorable President Kaleboa. Honorable President, Deputy President. Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, uh, Chair, the Interministerial Committee on uh, Land Reform and the Department will continue to provide progress updates on the matter. As highlighted in our response, Chair, there is a need on our side to strengthen our capacity to accelerate the finalization of all outstanding claims. The Commission on Restitution of Land Rights has developed a backlog reduction strategy to ensure that government accelerate all outstanding claims that were lodged before the 31st of December 1998. Of course, Chair, the reality is that the current fiscal constraints are posing a serious limitation on our ability to move with the necessary speed. It has been projected that almost 65 billion will be required to settle all outstanding claims. But we are prepared to update the House on an ongoing basis in terms of the cost, because the cost is not static, um, and the progress that we are making. We're also committing ourselves that all settled claims, the people who have uh, been given land in terms of the restitution program, people who have been given land through the redistribution program, that information will be available for members to peruse it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Deputy President. The next question is, is question five. Question five is on moral on the moral regeneration movement. And the question is from Honorable Nana and is directed to the to the Deputy President. Uh, Deputy President. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. The moral regeneration movement continues to do its best in implementing a range of programs in support of broader social agenda in our country. 
This movement exists to contribute in building communities grounded on positive values and to ensure that we rededicate ourselves in building a caring society in pursuit of lasting peace and prosperity in our country. We should always be mindful that moral regeneration extends beyond just beyond one entity. It is a societal obligation to all of us. Therefore, the question should not just be what the moral the regeneration movement has done. Rather, the question should focus on our individual and collective responsibility as public representative, political parties, civil society, business, and all other sectors of society in trying to rekindle the moral fabric of our society, given the history of where we come from as a country. As government, leading a country with a fractured past and divergent views on the path ahead, we recognize the importance, force of moral regeneration in pursuit of nation building and social cohesion. These idols are informed by some elements perpetuated by the past apartheid system that we seek to undo. Within this context, the work of the moral regeneration movement forms an integral part of our efforts on building social cohesion. In terms of the programmatic intervention led by the moral regeneration movement, these are informed by the Charter of Positive Values, which in itself is an expanded version of the founding values of our constitution. In promoting these values, Chair, the moral regeneration movement uses platforms of dialogue to build and advance social co cohesion within communities. As part of ongoing work being implemented by the movement, there are various initiatives such as the promotion of a charter of positive values across institutions, ethical leadership programs for public office bearers, which include induction of newly elected municipal councillors, strengthening the response of gender-based violence and femicides through the integration of the National Strategic Plan on HIV, TB, and STIs, and the National Strategic Plan on Gender-Based Violence and Femicides, and the implementation of men and boys' social behavior change uh, in partnership with the men's sector of the South African National AIDS Council and the Department of Social Development. Pledges between traditional and coercive leaders, interfaith leaders, traditional health practitioners and government to work together in scaling up interventions against all social ills, gender-based violence, femicide, child abuse, teenage pregnancy, and intervention under SANAC to end HIV and TB as a public health threat. Honorable Chairperson, despite numerous challenges confronting our country, such as deep inequality, racial intolerance, high incidence of gender-based violence and femicide, high rates of teenage pregnancy and many other social ills, we still can attain the goal of a united and a cohesive society. This can only be achieved through the honest commitment and by the active participation that is grounded on strong social compacts 
with all sectors of society. It remains incumbent upon all of us to continue playing our part in making a positive contribution in building a united, economically inclusive South Africa. The Deputy President as a patron of the movement plays an active part in ensuring support to these efforts of the movement. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Deputy President. The first follow-up question will come from Honorable Nana. Honorable Nana. Ngose mshalwa pambil. Bendi bendi palile kapakui kuchat box nda tsebo Deputy President abereti banza ubuza ngasikosun buzwa. Sagala mongameli kuyandi kwanki sakundutusa kodwa ke ndinethemba lwamhlawumbi eh umbuzo wokuqala bendikubuza wona ukuba out of 10 imovement le ungayinika isikoro esithini na umbuzo wokugqibela kumibuzo yam ungqale kuwe ngqa ukuba wena xa uzigoxa goxa njengomfoka amabuza uzibona ingaba ukulungelena ukukhokhela le movement ibaleke kangakwekulizo loba womkhulu ndiyathemba ke xa undiphendula sekela mongameli mhlambo zawunyathela kwezondawo umbuzo wamukugqibela ke sihlalo we NSOP eh kusekela mongameli uyichaphazele uchaphazele umcimbi wolapho lomthetho kwelizo loba womkhulu ngenene ulapho lomthetho eh lukwele ndao yonke kwelizwe ingaba wena njengo mtini okanye njenge ngili yale nchuku mbaleke kangaka uyalutata na utanduwa luazo zonke izi ndo ezi feti leyo ebe kumelba zenziwa ili nchuku mbusu thank you very much honorable nana Deputy President. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. I'm sure I've heard the question. Tina Labule Movement, Moral Regeneration Movement, Nalabo Abai Kokelayo Le Movement. Mina again, I born him seven Zabayenzayo. Go to a Le Movement Le Ifuna Wonkumuntu Abambe Ikas. Sing Shoguti. As was Buddhist in a song, Kesishalis Begelenji, Abanda about ten, Sikabanguti, Bangai Changer, because the direction the country is going to take. Manjege, by a way, Zumsebez, the footige, Abana, and a Malenin of Bizama meetings, Lawa, Yingako Gay, by a seven, Nama department afana ne department of health by seven zisana ne department efana ne department of social development. Mwa ba ilapo 
kukona kona izinde ininge zilupa imiparati. Minage e, guzaba gubantu esibasizai. Abantu futes kuluma nabo uguti. Basho uguti umsebenzi wetu. Uyaba tulisa gantifuti auba tulisi. Sisebenzi lege na makosi. E, Esifunda zwe nesifana negwa ne zulunatavu. Impumalanga ilimpopu. Lapa sibe kona ni mishangano na makosi. Sibe kona ni mishangano na bahuli beze nkolo. Futige ni mishangano na labo abahuli abalapa e, ngugwendabu. Sikulumisene na matota. Estaba ngutufala size ugului sana. Nugu tugunyezega. Kwa malungelo. lungelo abantu fazane. Na bantuana. Sikulumisene na matota. Na bahuli beze ndavugo. Na beze nkolo. Ukulela kwa bantuana. Yingago na. Uguti. Silvisa nenazo zonki inkinga ezi chupa mparatu wagiti. Yoti ngatina zonki. Sibamba. Sikulu mefuti ngezu linye. Uguti lapo sibona unendo engati ichupa. Itigameza umparati. Sisumele. Sikulu. Sibakulumisilege abandube abakulube beze nkolo uguti. Ngaparati. Emasontwe, abanga ivumeli into uguti gukule labantu anu, abantu, abaya lape masontwe ni, banigezwe izi nto, banigezwe luchani, batu batu luchani, bapuzi zwe, izi nto ezingeke mtetwe. Gui lunge lulabo uguti, njenga bahuli, beze nkolo, basugu mbatlaike gonke lugo kwenzeke mparati. Si sebenzisana katege na bobonki. E, si sebenzisana na ma provinces. Immoral regeneration movement le. Si sebenzisana na wonka ma provinces. Inao ama kacha guo wonka ma provinces. Lapa bambisene ba nao ugubisana. Na zonki zinto ezi shupa imi parati ya giti. Nagoge. Nawe unga sebenzise ya kingondo je ugu chacha isko ugu tupai. Imsebenzi yenu ngibona ya pumelela, ngibona inga pumeleli. Wodo unga kosa kutu nawe, gufuna uzi chache, uzi nigeze, isiko, ugutuwena wenzeni. Napamu uba uzi chache abanyabandu. Ngiabo. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy President. The second follow-up question will come from Honorable Haddebe uh, of the IFP. Honorable Haddebe. Greetings to you, Honorable Chairperson. My follow-up question to the Honorable Deputy President is, in light of the recently published report by the Judicial Commission of Inquiry into allegations of state capture, fraud, and corruption in the public sector, what interventions is Cabinet making in promoting moral regeneration within the public sector to avoid the levels of state capture we have seen. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. 
Thank you, thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson. With regards to the state capture reports, the reports that have been published and uh, even the ones that are still outstanding, the President finally will make a view and will present to Parliament on how best he's going to handle the report and its recommendations. So that is going to take its own shape and uh, we are going to be informed in due course. But generally, I think the essence of the question is that all of us as society, as, as leaders, as political parties, we must continue to condemn corruption. We must work together to uh, prevent corruption wherever it emerges. In the three spheres of government, we must work together to prevent corruption. It is not only in the public service where we should prevent corruption, even in the private sector, because we believe that this corruption happens between the private and the public sector. Now, as we are trying to rebuild our values, positive values, our, our contribution to nation building, social cohesion, we must condemn all forms of corruption that will seek to undermine the values that we so cherish as a society. We must also ensure that all those that are going against, that continue to perpetrate corruption are successfully prosecuted. That is why we encourage all community members to report whatever kind of corruption that they may detect, that they might see, to the law enforcement agencies. It's one thing to talk about corruption in public platforms, but it's another thing to act to prevent and deal with corruption. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Deputy President. Uh, the next question is uh, uh, comes from uh, uh, as a follow-up question, comes from uh, Honorable Gillian. Honorable Gillian. Thank you, Chairperson, and greetings, DP. Um, and I need to thank the Deputy President for the answering of the questions. Honorable Deputy President, among the many initiatives of the Moral Regeneration Movement, in July 2021, the Moral Regeneration Movement marked the Moral Regeneration Month, which was geared towards encouraging people to recommit to efforts of building communities grounded on positive values and rededicate themselves to building a caring society in pursuit of creating lasting peace 
and prosperity in the country. Because moral regeneration is a societal issue, what is the roles of families, communities, leaders, and members of all organizations to build progressive values and morality? I thank you, Deputy President. Thank you very much, Honorable Killian. Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Our approach as government to moral regeneration should appreciate that the family remains an important unit for any country that aspires to develop and grow. It is at a family level that we can inculcate ethical and cultural values of Ubuntu that is required in building national unity, respect for life, respect for property, building a sense of community security, building patriotism and nationhood. It is the family that carries the primary responsibility, Honorable Deputy, I mean, a Chairperson, for the education, socialization of children, as well as instilling values of citizenship and belonging to a society. Where people develop antisocial behaviors and lack of respect for societal rules, the family as a unit should step in and counsel against such behaviors as they undermine the cohesion and the broader society. That is why as government, we provide the possibility and the possible extent social security interventions in order to shelter the vulnerable children, people with disability, the elderly from socioeconomic exclusion and ensure that they have food on the table. For if people do not feel a sense of belonging, if people don't feel safe and people don't feel loved, they don't feel obligated to respect societal values. So yes, I agree with the one I remember that as much as we put so, a family unit at the center of our efforts as a country to build social cohesion, we must as leaders in our different parties, political parties, all sectors in our society to work together to inculcate these positive values and strengthen the work of the family as a basic unit of our society. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Deputy President. The, the fourth follow-up question comes from Honorable Apleni. Apleni? Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson. Uh, Deputy, Deputy President, the governing party has been plagued by corruption and abuse of power uh, since it assumed office in 1994. 
Uh, the details of this were laid bare by the Zondo Commission into the uh, uh, state capture, which showed how deeply corruption has taken root in the ANC. Now, can the deputy president of such a party, therefore, be entrusted with carrying out the various interventions needed by the movement? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. The, the governing party, which is leading government, the ANC, is not corrupt. It's individual leaders that are found to be in conflict with the law, and those individual leaders, as the ANC, we took a decision that we are not going to conceal their activities. We are not going to protect anyone who has committed a crime, who has stolen money from the public. Now, it's a, it's a very uh, noble stand that we have taken as the ruling party, not to protect those of our own that have done wrong, but we want to stand on the right side of the law and ensure that society is protected. So all those leaders within the governing party, within your party, honorable member, within all parties, that are corrupt, they must face the, the mighty of the law. And we must not seek to protect them. We must not seek to shield them from the law enforcement agencies. And we must, as responsible citizens, take the necessary step and report corruption where corruption is seen, where corruption is detected. I said it's one thing to talk about corruption, and it's another thing to be seen working to eliminate corruption entirely in our society. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy President. We'll now move over, on, over and on to uh, question number six. The question is on economic reconstruction and recovery plan. The question comes <coughs> from Honorable Mtetwa and uh, is, 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 is directed to uh, the Deputy President. Uh, Honorable uh, Deputy President. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. In line with the intergovernmental relations framework that is implemented through the President's Coordinating Council and Mahutla, the President continues to bring all spheres of government to make South Africa a better place. We thus confirmed that the implementation of the Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan is being coordinated across all spheres of government. At the level of the national government, the
the implementation of the economic recovery, reconstruction and recovery plan is coordinated by ministerial economic sectors, investment, employment, and infrastructure development cluster to ensure uniformity and consistency in its implementation across all provinces and state-owned entities. Where gaps are identified in the implementation process, the Department of Planning and Monitoring and Evaluation has facilitated a number of engagement across government and state entities and is working with relevant stakeholders to ensure closer alignment in this regard. There are also ongoing assessment of national and provincial government's contribution to the achievement of the plan, intervention, as well as the spatial location of projects that are outlined in the plan based on our annual performance plans of government departments. From the interactions between national provincial governments, there is identification of areas of alignment between economic reconstruction and recovery plan priorities and provincial growth and development strategies of the different provinces. Among others, these interactions have been focused on providing clarity on four priority interventions of the plan, which are embarking on a massive rollout of infrastructure rapidly expanding the country's energy generation capacity, implementing large-scale job intervention to support livelihoods, and driving industrial growth. The ongoing assessment also looks into the review of regulations that may inhibit the speedy rollout of priority programs as outlined in, as outlined in the plan. This seeks to review and address policy and regulatory matters to reduce the cost of doing business through modernization of visa application processes to enhance tourism and transforming the network industries, including electricity, water, transport, and digital communication. The work of reviewing policy and regulatory matters will be coordinated in partnership with provincial and local spheres of government where implementation of developmental programs and delivery of services takes place. In this regard, the president has announced during the State of the Nation address our focus on creating an enabling environment through the creation of the Rate Tap Reduction Office, which will be located in the office of the president. Some of the tangible outcomes are interventions related to improving access to digital television broadcasting and communication services by the Department of Communication and Digital Technologies. This is on reducing the digital divide and the release of high demand spectrums that have been taken on board in provincial planning. The Department of Trade and Industry and competition is working closely with provincial government in an effort of repurposing South Africa's manufacturing sector towards strategic location. There is a lot more work that lies ahead before we get the country to the full path of economic recovery. 
the recent gross domestic product results by State South Africa presents a glimmer hope, with the country's economy said to have grown by 4.9% in 2021 compared to 2020, where we saw a decrease of 6.4%. We just have to work harder and act now to reserve, I mean, to reverse existential challenges we confronted prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and those that are resultant from the pandemic. Just as the economic reconstruction and recovery plan was developed by social partners through intense consultation, let us therefore continue to build on this strength of working together across all divides to defeat unemployment, poverty, and inequality. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Deputy President. The first uh, follow-up question will come from uh, Honorable Mtetwa. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Deputy President, for your response to my question. Indeed, it was detailed. Are there any example of positive outcome, Deputy President, in terms of economical program based to the conditions of different fears of government um, in the implementation or of the economical reconstruction and recovery plan. Are there any practicalities that you can give it to us, Mongamel? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, Deputy, I mean, Honorable Chairperson. One example is the presidential employment stimulus that has supported close to 700,000 opportunities across a range of programs. Through the creation of new work opportunities, the protection of existing jobs in vulnerable sectors, and support for livelihoods. As part of the presidential employment stimulus initiative, a number of subsistence farmers have retained their productive capacity and provided much needed household for security. The rollout of these programs has been done in partnership with the Solidarity Fund, the National House of Traditional and Coercion Leaders, and provincial departments of agriculture. About 40,000 farmers were supported through the Solidarity Fund and the traditional house. An additional 53,000 farmers were supported through the national and provincial department-driven initiatives. As part of regulatory reform, an independent communications authority of South Africa, ICASA, has reported good news Honorable Chairperson, on the auctioning of licenses for the state-owned controlled airwaves. And we are pleased that the process have surpassed its initial target. This will support the lowering of the cost of data, improving broadband covering, coverage, including a broad and speed, including our rural reforms. On the infrastructure front, 
the first checking of one phase, uh, phase one of uh, Umzivu uh, water project that is located in the Eastern Cape, which includes the construction of Dabelanga, Lalelani, and Bogazi dams, set to apply, I mean, to supply water to thousands of households in the OR, Tambo, Jotabi, and Alfred Nzo district, respectively. These projects will improve water supply to rural areas within the provinces and provide much needed employment opportunities to local communities. The upscaling of Welili Isizwe Rural Bridge Program to deliver 95 bridges a year from the current 14 is in progress. These are some of the initiatives that are there in our reconstruction uh, and development program that I can highlight, Honorable Chairperson. No, thank you very much, uh, Deputy President. Uh, the next uh, question, which is a second follow-up question, is from Honorable Lutuli. Honorable Lutuli. Honorable Thank you Gabon, Gabon, Asalo, Esnabushonje, Woody, Sashilo, Woody, will recovery plan, Sifunukini Sega, Woody, industrial capacity A2 is being scaled up so that we support manufacturing, especially in the economic zones that we have been identified in the different provinces, in Limpopo, in Pumalanga, in the first state, where the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition is working together with provinces to try and uh, develop those economic zones and allow SMMEs to utilize that space so that they can start manufacturing different kinds of products so that they can grow their companies and grow their potential. We hope that uh, in the process, when these economic zones are fully functional, as supported by the national government and provincial government, we will be in a position to make a dent in terms of the unemployment figures that the honorable member has cited. But again, we're also insisting on companies, we're giving them a grant to try and employ uh, young people so that they can get experience. Now, as you employ young people, government will be able to give you a grant so that you give them an opportunity to gain the necessary experience. 
the employment uh, uh, stimulus, it has worked very well because we have managed to create more than 700,000 jobs. Uh, so we're utilizing different tools and different platforms to try and address the unemployment challenge that we're facing as a country. Thank you very much. Thank Chair. you very much, uh, Deputy President. The third follow-up question comes from Honorable Dubrain. Honorable Dubrain. Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, I will handle Honorable Dubrain's uh, question. He's got connectivity issues. Okay, please Honorable proceed. Chair, thank you. Uh, Mr. Deputy President, as no economy can thrive without decent and sustainable infrastructure, how will the Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan address the issue of South Africans' dilapidated infrastructure and what investments will be made in infrastructure? Thank you, uh, Deputy President. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you very much. Um, as we have stated, uh, Honorable Member, that uh, Cabinet has, um, has approved the Infrastructure Investment Plan. 2050, indicating a wide range of projects that are going to be undertaken. And these infrastructure projects are meant to enhance the economy, uh, to facilitate economic development, like projects that are aimed at uh, improving our energy uh, generation capacity as a country, allowing also municipalities to generate. Projects that are meant to deal with our road infrastructure so that we can gain access, people can move commodities, can move their products from one point to the other. Projects like water, investment in water infrastructure so that water for industrial use and water for domestic use can easily be accessed in abundance. We are also putting more money in terms of the maintenance of infrastructures, uh, also to accelerate movement. In our rural areas, we have identified rural roads, together with the rural bridges that would enable mobility of people, whether they are going to school, whether they are going to social facilities, whether they are doing moving their commodities, doing business, so that there's facilitated movement of people. We think in that regard, these interventions are going to facilitate our speedy recovery, and allow more and more of our people to be economically active once more again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy President. Uh, the fourth and the last supplementary question, follow-up question, comes from the Honorable Ryder. Honorable Ryder. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Deputy President, good afternoon. We told you don't really like uh, coming to Parliament, but. Uh, most of us are friendly and nice, and you can start to relax now. This is the last, this is the last question for you today. Deputy President, um, here is the 
Economic Reconstruction and Redevelopment Plan. It's 38 pages long. Uh, it's not rocket science. Energy and energy security is, I ever mentioned, 20 times in the document. So we talk about the capable state, and yet here we find ourselves where we were experiencing load shedding again just last week. Now, I accept that ESKIM is going through a restructure, but there seems to be a total lack of urgency and an underappreciation of the level of anger among South Africans. Deputy President, the impact on our economy of load shedding, especially stage three and higher, is profound. The original question from Honorable Mtetwa related to engaging all spheres of government around the ERRP. Now, local government uses electricity margins to cross-subsidize service delivery. So businesses need electricity so that they can manufacture or trade, which then allows them to pay rates and taxes, pay taxes to government, and to create jobs. Deputy President, what is being done to deal with the load shedding? And when can we expect to see tangible impact of the restructuring that's happening at Eston? Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Deputy President. Thank you, thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson. I think the concern is well-placed. We, we understand the the hardship and the suffering our people are going through on a daily basis because of the load shedding. But we must also appreciate the attempts on the side of government uh, to try and close that gap and probably ramp up our generation capacity. We have, uh, we have allowed the independent power producers to enter the space we've allowed bit window three, four, five, and all those projects are in the process of construction. Some of them have joined uh, the grid. Some of them are giving electricity, but not enough to offset load shedding. The two, Power stations that are brand new, Usile and Midupi, are still having some technical glitches. They are not uh, working as expected. And I'm sure with the passage of time, all those technical glitches will be resolved. We have also allowed municipalities to where there's, there's, there's capacity to generate their own electricity. And I'm sure those efforts will take long to be realized. But we've opened the playing field wide enough to allow different players to come into the fray and assist in the generation of electricity. We've also allowed business to generate electricity up to 100 megawatts. That's very sufficient to carry along their businesses 
and to continue to be in production. So all those efforts are not going to be an overnight event. They are not going to necessarily give us energy by tomorrow. Of course, our aging uh, power stations that are coal-powered, they still continue to give us uh, problems in terms of maintenance. They are not reliable enough uh, in terms of securing the power for the country. The unplanned outages in those power stations are more than the planned outages, which disrupts any plan by the leadership of ESCOM to provide reliable electricity to the whole country. By that, we must, as government, really apologize for all these hiccups that disrupt the life of ordinary people and businesses. But we're committing ourselves, we're on a path of recovery, and we're going to deal with our energy situation and restore the country to its full potential. We understand very well that energy is one of the components that we need in order for this economy to recover. Water is one component that we need in order for this economy to grow. That we understand well and good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy President. Honorable members uh, and delegates, I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation to the Deputy President for availing himself to answer questions by and from uh, members. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Deputy President. Uh, honorable delegates, thank you. Honorable delegates, that concludes the business of the day. Thank you very much.